coming up on today's edition of the Tomahawk Show. It is our final episode of the 2018 NFL season. We recap everything that went down during Tomahawk's weekend stop at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, from our favorite interviews to our best celebrity run-in stories, before hitting you with our off-season plans. All that and more on another edition of the Tomahawk Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, members of the Tomaflock, to the best piece of entertainment in the history of content. If you're living under a rock, I am talking about the Tomahawk Show, hosted by myself, Andrew Hawkins, and my co-host, Joe Thomas, 14-time NFL Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champ. All those are fake stats, but he is number 73 in your programs, number one in your heart. Listen. This is presented by Uninterrupted. I need you to stop what you're doing right now. I need you to open wherever you're listening to podcasts at. This is very important, especially this show, because we're going to announce a little hiatus today. But I need you to open your Apple Podcast app and subscribe. That way, whenever we do come back from our little bit of a break after this football season, You'll know exactly when that happens. I need you to subscribe. I need you to rate the show five stars. Because when you do that, you put yourself in the running to win $7 billion. And you don't want to miss that opportunity. Also, head over to Twitter. Head over to Instagram and follow us at Tomahawk Show. I think on Twitter right now we're at like 9,525 followers. We need to get to 10,000. I know there's at least 50 million people listening right now. All I need is like 500 of you to go follow us on Twitter so we can hit that milestone. That being said, Joe Thomas, how are things? I'm doing good. I'm I'm in this weird sort of back and forth mentally where I'm kind of excited the season's over because football seasons are long and we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of talking about football. We do a lot of watching football. And so when it's over, you're kind of taking this big collective sigh of relief like, all right, we can take a little bit of a breath. We got a little time to kind of regroup. Uh, but at the same time, it's bittersweet because the season is over now and we have to wait until September to be able to watch football again. And I've got this bad taste in my mouth because I'm a noted Patriots hater and they won another freaking Super Bowl in a boring ass Super Bowl. So that was a little disappointing. But either way, I'm looking forward to some off season, a little bit of downtime. Uh, but also all the fun that offseason NFL brings with the combine and the draft and free agency and the excitement that builds leading up into another season. And by all accounts, the Browns are as exciting as I can remember since I've been a part of the franchise. And I think that excitement is really going to build throughout the offseason, especially when the schedule comes out and we start looking at, all right, who do the Browns have on Monday Night Football? Who are they playing on Sunday Night Football? They're going to be the premium game a, a lot of weeks, and that's the first time in a long time that that's happened. i seen someone post today, I think it was Monday Morning Quarterback, um, of the five teams they suspected to win a Super Bowl over the next five years, and they had the Cleveland Browns in there wow. as one of those teams. Mm. It, was a, it, was, it was an incredible mm. moment this morning as wow. I rolled over with sleep and spackle in my eyes and it just brought a little tear and it made a little a little spackle shake right there in my in my cuticle. Can you um, explain what spackle I mean, is? 
Because I always I thought that's what you used when you were uh, making uh, drywall and you were uh, <laughs> sealing the yeah. seams up. Well, spackle. in 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 the culture, we like to call like the sleep in your eyes when you wake up like spackle. Spackle. Oh, good. That's what we, yeah, it's, it's an old that. Martin Lawrence joke. I'm definitely so going to appropriate that, that uh, to my culture. You can culture. definitely appropriate. I'm going to steal that I, shit. I, if anybody calls you out on it, you could say I granted you access to <laughs> Thank that appropriation. You. I appreciate it. Hawk is the um, appropriator of all black culture, <laughs> and he is the only person on earth that allows white people to use certain aspects of his culture. Yeah. Thank you. I, I do not. You'd have to have written consent. And <laughs> so far, you're the only person I've given written consent <laughs> Thank to. Thank you. Thank you very and much. With this, this one thing. Thank you very um, much. So, also, Super Bowl. Before we even talk about the game, Tomahawk was down in Atlanta turning it up. Mm. Like, we had shows from. From Radio Row, I'm sure you've all listened to him. We had so many guests, man. We had such a blast. Before anything, I got to give a shout out to everybody on the team. Uh, oh, obviously, Fat Nat, superstar, mm. our favorite person in all the world. Aww. Shout out to uh, Never Scored a TD, Zerm helping with the rundowns, even though he was absent from uh, our presence, but ever present in our hearts. Maddie Memes put in so much work on the back end. Uh, Taylor. Pegs, the whole team, Chuck was down there, everybody a part of the Tomahawk Show who helped create really a really cool experience, and everybody that was around and seen us, seen how much fun we were having, seen how great of a show it is, and I'm not even kidding, I know I BS a lot and I make a lot of jokes, there is some really, really big stuff coming mm-hmm. for the Tomahawk Show that me and Joe are excited mm-hmm. to make you privy to when, when they uh, define themselves a little bit more, but Joe, how how much fun did you have down in ATL? It was awesome. I'm so blown away with Atlanta. I've played down there. I've been down there a few times, but I've never really absorbed all that the city has to offer. And uh-huh. leaving Wisconsin on Wednesday, it was minus 31. And I land in Atlanta in the airport and it's like 35. And the people down there are bundled up like they're going on a South Pole expedition. And I'm thinking, <laughs> man, this is 60 degrees warmer than where I came from. This is beautiful. But the weather just kept getting nicer every day. The people were so friendly. I was blown they away. They were so nice. They were so nice. I don't know if that's how it always is in Atlanta, but from the Uber drivers to the restaurant workers to the hostesses to the people walking down the street – Everybody was just so happy and nice and friendly, and it was so cool. It reminded me of being home in Wisconsin with better weather and bigger cities and cooler stuff to do. So uh, shout out to Atlanta for being great hosts. I think you were spot on when you said that the Tomahawk crew, especially the people behind the scenes, did an unbelievable job setting up, which was an unbelievably memorable experience for the Tomahawk show. We once again Mm -hmm. captured the hearts and minds of Radio Row. We had the premium location, thanks to Twitter Sports. Shout out to Twitter Sports. All the best guests. I think we had 21 plus, basically Hall of Fame caliber guests. Uh, The the envy of everybody was working on Radio Row was Tomahawk Show with the number of big time gets that kept walking through. And I got to say... That was my first time meeting Chuck, who's one of the guys that works behind the scenes at Tomahawk. He's a great guy. But the thing that impressed me the most is he may be the most famous member of Tomahawk. <laughs> All of our f- fame combined does not equal Chuck's fame because 
there was dudes that were impressing me that would walk in and be like, what's up, Chuck? Oh, I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> and then they just blow right past us. At one point, Herschel Walker walked it. He was walking past our show. He saw Chuck. He came over and hugged him like they had been uh, brothers <laughs> since the, the second grade. And they talked for like five minutes. And then Herschel just kept walking. Like Chuck was the only guy that he was looking to see. So it was really impressive. Uh, Chuck was the guy that made it happen behind the scenes. It was a lot of fun. And by the end of nine hours of interviews, I had lost my voice again, but yep. that didn't stop yep. me from going out and partying like it's 1999. We kicked it too. That was the fun part. And yep. then Nat and Joe, you guys met for the first time. We I have the coolest picture of <laughs> yeah. Joe and Nat, the, the warm embrace that happened. Because <laughs> as much as we see each other, as much as we talk on a weekly basis and have done that for the last year, that was the first time they met in person. No, it's it was been a year. it was magical, man. It almost brought a tear to my eye. I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it on Twitter. I don't think I've shared it yet. Mm. No. So we're gonna put it on Twitter so everyone see the first time Joe <laughs> met Fat Nat in the flesh. <laughs> Zerm, we're still not sure if he's a real person yet. Still have not. But met we'll Zerm. get to the bottom of it sooner than later. No, I'm a I'm a bot 100. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Yeah, his his body will so, malfunction if he ever meets well, any of the person. One per, thing I learned <laughs> when we were hanging out uh, Wednesday night before our big day on Thursday, Tomahawk show, we had a production meeting, and I'm using air quotes because it was at a bar, thanks to TD, who has, has grown up in Atlanta. I, TD grew up in Atlanta or went to school there? I think it's like a little mix of both. He, right. he, he moved there fairly early. So he knows Atlanta, but we didn't go to the place he recommended, if he recommended anything. We went to Nat's spot. She found on Yelp. It was a great spot for a production <laughs> meeting because it had delicious, greasy food, and it had beers yes. and drinks. And Hawk taught me something. He was drinking the most swaggy of swag drinks of all time, <laughs> called like a, a gold duster or something like that. No, that <laughs> a, gold rush. Whatever you were drinking, I was blown away with your savvy and your suave. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I actually stole that drink from an executive at Brand Jordan because <laughs> I didn't know how to order cocktails because I don't drink very often, and I'm like not a thing though. I, being my introduction to even ever ordering a cocktail was like vodka and Red Bull because I was a, <laughs> like a kid. That's all you drink. So when I you're ordered in it once. But when you go on these meetings, you have to do it. Like, or like people <laughs> judge you by like what shoes you wear yeah. and what kind of cocktail you order. Whether you drink it or not, there's like mental notes happening. <laughs> so I go to a, a you know. You're always being evaluated, of, right? Isn't that what always. all our coaches say? Everything you do, you're, you're being always. evaluated. So don't Everything. don't fall into the trap these millennials think about. Oh, I can do whatever I want. I'm not being judged. Like, don't be so judgy. You're always being judged. Always being judged. I'm at this meeting. I order a vodka Red Bull. It's like a screeching halt you of a record. Like, Did you? What are you? 19? <laughs> I had no idea. So I like had to hit the Google. I had to start studying, taking notes. And I'm like, somebody ordered a Gold Rush around me before, and I'm like, man, that sounds elite. <laughs> yes, that is that is what. Hawk, what is in a? Do you know what is in a Gold <laughs> if Rush? If I had enough time to Google, I could tell you. All I know. It sounds delicious. <laughs> it sounded cool. Yeah. It impressed Joe. So that's I was like, impressed. Well, at that, first, that's I, all that matters. I thought it was one of the shots that I used to take when I was in college, and it was like Gold Schlager, Rumpelmans, and something else, <laughs> which is so gross. But I actually found out that a Gold Rush is like good bourbon, like top shelf bourbon, honey, and lemon squeeze or something yeah. like that. Yep, a lemon, which a lemon juice. Oh originally, I was thinking, oh, Hawk's doing this to help his voice because he's doing all these interviews and like nine hours of being on on the radio, on the podcast. 
it takes a toll on your voice. You're not used to talking that much. Maybe Hawk is because he works harder than anybody in show business. But me, I'm not used to it. So after nine hours of yelling like an idiot, I'm going to lose my voice. But Hawk's thinking proactively. He's drinking the bourbon and the honey and the lemon for like his throat. But no, he just was doing it to sound rich. I was trying to impress Joe the entire time. But it worked. It worked for the impression. It also worked for my voice. Um, and yeah, so Gold Rush. <laughs> if you're at home, check it out. All right, so Super Bowl. Here we are. The Patriots hoisted the Lombardi one more time uh, to the displeasure of our good friend Joe Thomas. <laughs> I hate to be the guy that say I told you, though, because I'm so humble. I hate to do that. But um, early in the year, man, I picked the Patriots as the Super Bowl winner. And here we are, just Nostradamus again, just knowing more than everybody else at ESPN. Every analyst, they ask every one of us, the, the, the top experts in sports media, in the game of football, to pick who would play in the Super Bowl and who would win. Oh, my God. Who did you pick, Hawk? There was three of us that picked the Rams, <laughs> Patriots, in the Super Bowl, and wow. the Patriots as the winner. I think this is the first time he's I don't, told I've never heard that before. The, hold on. Let, let, the, let the fans soak this in. <laughs> one of the people who picked it was the greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> And the other one was Randy Moss. <laughs> Me and Randy are the only two, if you've never heard that story. So what, are, what are we thinking about the, 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 the game of football right now? How are we feeling now that the Patriots are six-time Super Bowl champs? Yeah. Tom Brady, it, he has to be the best athlete of all time, right? He's the best football player. Um, when you talk about yeah, the, okay. athletes, I think – when somebody says athlete, I think of somebody who's good at multiple sports. He could pick okay. up anything and be good at it. And so I have right. a hard time calling Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time because I if you, you gave Tom anything besides a football, he would probably suck at it. He's extraordinarily <laughs> yep. slow. He's ridiculously <laughs> weak. He's Maybe he's got good balance because he moves pretty well in the pocket. But He's really, good looking, though. He's very good looking. Other than like throwing an extremely nice catchable football and being really accurate with it and being super, super smart. I don't know what he excels at. I mean, those are the only qualities that matter uh, to be a quarterback. So he's clearly the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. And when you talk about most important football position, quarterback is it, even though you're not going to win any races or you're not going to win any athletic feats. So um, what he has done is truly amazing. Six Super Bowl wins is beyond ridiculous. And you start thinking about what the Patriots have done. They have built the most surefire factory of football and NFL success that it's really remarkable. And even though I'm a noted Patriots hater, I can respect what they've done and certainly have tried to enjoy watching the greatest dynasty of all time in all sports because there's no sport that has had more parity that's punished success more than the NFL does right now and has tried to burgeon the the middle class of the NFL and yet the Patriots still are always on top and we'll never see a dynasty like this in my lifetime and I truly believe that it really is like you have to take a step back and think about it obviously we lived it we are in this era um but it's like I'm I mean, when you think about it, you played against literally the best football player in the history of the game. Like, so when you're old and you're preaching to your kids about how at one time you held the snap streak record before a good friend of yours broke it, like three years later, and Mitchell Schwartz, 
they'll be like, well, what about Tom Brady, Grandpa? Mm. And you'll be able to say, I played against him. I beat mm. him. Like, yeah. I used to compete against that guy. Like, there's guys who are talking about Michael Jordan that way. And it really is special to be a part of it. I know I tongue-in-cheek say I'm a former Patriots receiver. Obviously, I'm not. I'm a Cleveland Brown and a Cincinnati Bengal. But nonetheless, I was on that guy's team for a little bit. I caught passes from him. Mm. And you better bet your sweet ass I'm going to be telling people that mm. for the next 50 years as we look back and think about how great like what he's accomplished is. That's like me telling my grandkids that I did a podcast with <laughs> Joe Thomas and Andrew Hogan. Oh, stop it, Nat. <laughs> of course it's like that. Yes. <laughs> the direct equivalent. We know that. It's, ex- it it's exactly it's like that. Exact same thing. All right, guys. Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company, and the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges like me trying to ease up on the soda, helping people move physically, socially, and emotionally. It's about finding solutions like we can't seem to do for Nat's terrible hot takes. When you think Toyota, you think sustainability, triumph, facing fears, celebrating life, and rethinking what's possible. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, why and how a Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of LA, and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's get back to the show. I was reflecting on uh, playing against Brady and thinking about, like you mentioned, in 20 years when my kids and my grandkids are running around and they're watching football and people are talking about the great Patriots dynasty of the 2000s. And I was thinking, oh, I played against Brady. I never played with Brady because he always skipped the Pro Bowl with fake injuries because he didn't like doing anything that didn't help him win during the regular season on Sundays. And clearly <laughs> playing in the Super Bowl, or, or I mean the Pro Bowl, would not help him win next year, so he would always bow out. Um, but I did get to play for Bill Belichick in one Pro Bowl, and I'll never forget at halftime. First of all, Bill was so pissed that he had to coach in the Pro Bowl because it's distracting him from getting ready for the next season, right? So he Uh sequestered all of his assistant coaches in the meeting rooms the entire week. So uh, just to give you a little backstory, Pro Bowl, it's a great reward. Every coaching staff I'd ever had in, in 10 years and even the opposing coaching staffs would always let their coaches after practice was over, come to the pool, spend time with their family, eat nice dinners, just enjoy the vacation. Enjoy the reward of the Pro Bowl. No, no, not not Bill Belichick. He is not changing his schedule just because they're at the fucking Pro Bowl. So he had those guys <laughs> after practice was over, which is about noon. He would have those guys then for the next eight to ten hours doing season recap meetings and then draft prep meetings. It, we're in Hawaii, and he had those guys locked in a dark room, and he didn't care if they were in Hawaii. He didn't care if they were in Boston. He didn't care if they were Antarctica. They were going to do the same thing, and he was not going to let them enjoy the Pro Bowl. This is why so many people talk about how miserable the Patriots are and how miserable the existence is. You're very successful. You make a career for yourself, but a lot of people 
outside of the Patriots organization hate that they're succeeding because this misery that they've created and this miserable environment that they have to work in becomes uh, multiplied throughout the NFL because it is successful, but they do remove joy from it. But anyways, so Bill had him in there. And I remember you'd see the coaching staff coming out of meetings at like 10, 10 PM and they were beat down and they were tired and they were pissed because they knew the other coaches on the other team were by the pool enjoying their family um, so anyway, so Bill's pissed the whole week for having to be at the Pro Bowl. And the first half goes really bad. Uh, Peyton Manning throws like a pick six. Uh, Wes Welker fumbles the football. The defense picks it up, runs in for a touchdown. So we're down big at halftime. The guys aren't playing hard. It's the Pro Bowl. Bill just is so angry. And I remember at the halftime of the Pro Bowl, Bill Belichick standing up there cussing our ass out. And at the time, we had uh, two <laughs> Patriots linemen on our team. We had uh, Logan Mankins and Matt Light, and they were laughing. They were in the back at halftime in the locker room laughing because Bill's like, hey, I know it's the fucking Pro Bowl, but you guys can go out there and give a little bit of fucking effort. It's all right if you fucking tackle somebody. Don't be afraid, Peyton Manning, to throw the ball to the guy that's wearing your jersey. Hey, Wes, I know it's the fucking Pro Bowl, but don't be afraid to hang on to the football. And I'm looking at Matt and Logan are laughing in the back and they're like, he's the same person every day. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter if it's the Pro Bowl. It doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl. He's just an asshole and he expects and he demands the same thing out of everybody. And that's part of what makes him great, but that's also part of what makes him joyless and why he never smiles. Well, he loves to win. I mean, and that, and that that's a good question. Like, it's a good segue into having the discussion of who gets the credit for the Patriots dynasty. Is it? And I get it's it's both sides. It's Tom Brady and it's Bill Belichick. But how who do you gets split the it? Fifty one percent. Who gets the forty nine percent? That's that's my question because it, it that's how it is there. And even my little bit of time there. And I know we're a player show. Me and Joe obviously played in the National Football League, and we always give that perspective, and fans love it. But on the to play devil's advocate of what you're saying, Joe, you're describing misery. And to the fans of that listen to this podcast and fans of their team, they're drooling for oh, that yeah. to be their environment. They would love to oh, yeah. for that to be your reality and their reality be the the reality of the Patriots fans. Yeah. Which is if you are 18, you have been celebrating nothing yeah. but AFC championships and Super Bowl titles the entire time. Oh what yeah. Him being an a hole does. To, and, and we say that in the context of like the environment that he creates around the Patriots. When I went there, they told me, we are going to set an impossible standard that you can't reach. And then it was like an awkward silence in the room. Like it was me and the executives. That's, that was their pitch to me. We're going to set an impossible <laughs> okay. standard that you can't reach, and we're going to demand that you reach it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I didn't quite understand it. Um, but when yeah, like I, I went to the practices, hard. I can do that. I'm like, yeah, I, I, whatever. I set an impossible standard for myself. No big deal. But they were not kidding that they set an impossible standard and then chastise you. Um, they berate they you. Chat, they they, they embarrass you in front of your peers. They don't berate you, but they you know they reprimand you. They um, shit. What is the word I'm looking for? They treat you Why like children. Yeah. What do you do to your child when they don't do this? Discipline. Right? How do you, you punish them. You discipline. That's the word. I need some more sleep. I landed at 3 a.m. last night, and this is my brain malfunctioning. <laughs> they discipline you for not reaching that standard, right? So, But what it does is people always wonder, like, in those clutch moments, like we watched the AFC championship game versus the Chiefs, or we watched them in the Super Bowl against the Rams and 
them being able to hold that offense the way that they did, it's because throughout the entire year they set an environment of pressure. And whenever you are used to pressure, when pressure comes, you don't notice. So in the spring, when he would yell at us for dropping one pass or doing something very small in the second OTA in the middle of May, and he would yell at us as if it was week 15 of the season, to me being an outsider coming in, I'm like, yo, what is the big deal? I get it. We're going to get better. We have time. To him, you know, we don't. We're, he operates like there's no time left. And when they get in those big moments, it's never too big for any of those players. When you see him bench a guy early in the season for fumbling on week two, and you're like, man, that's harsh. He hasn't played him all season. It's because he creates that standard that mm-hmm. you can lose your job at any moment. I'm not going to wait for you to screw my team in the playoffs or screw my team in the Super Bowl. Anytime you do it, these are the consequences. And, again, that pressure just creates – Mm-hmm. Um, diamonds, you know, diamonds, man. No, no it's like year after year, they're good. Yeah, it's like Vince Lombardi. You know, he always talked about, um, "I'm going to expect you guys to strive for perfection, and in the process, you're going to achieve greatness." Right. So with Bill, he expects everyone to be perfect, which is part of what makes him great. And he's not going to give you a pat on the back because you got an A. Oh, 95 out of 100, that's great. Good job, buddy. No, what he's going to do is focus on the things that you screwed up. And it doesn't matter, like you said, if it's in March, April, May, June, uh, February 2nd, 3rd, whatever it is in the Super Bowl, he's going to expect the same standard of perfection. And if you fail to live up to that, he's got a system in place with him and his coaches to punish you and discipline you and put that pressure on you. So it creates an environment of fear and uh, it creates an environment of anxiety, but it's what brings the best out of you as a professional. I think both you and I expected perfection from ourselves, and that's Mm -hmm. why we were successful on our careers. But I think the Patriots have mastered being able to create that expectation, that anxiety, that pressure individually in every person in that organization, no matter if you're a scout, a GM, a quarterback, or a 10-time pro bowler, they're going to expect perfection out of everybody and they're going to bring the best out of you. And it's easy to sit there and say it. Every coach in the NFL is going to say it, but to be able to do it consistently the way Bill does it is really hard. And I don't know if we've ever seen that before. And one thing I've, I've talked a little bit about on some of the national shows that I go on is how the, the Patriots remind me of like a company in China, right? And, and that's why partly a lot of their assistants who have left have failed because they learn the system and they never learn like how to think differently because all they know is what Bill has, has laid out and uh, brought on a platter and they don't have any other experiences to fall back on. Uh, Bill O'Brien being the exception, but he didn't start in New England. All the people that are, uh, recently have come out of the, the Patriots system have been just really smart people that have not had a football experience and Bill's brought them in and just taught them everything he knows for 10 years and then they go on and they kind of have floundered elsewhere. But when I, when I think about the Patriots, we're talking about like the Apple iPhone factory in China, right? Those people are so miserable. There's people committing suicide all the time. I don't know if you guys have seen this in the news, but they create a very, very good product very, very cheaply. And us as Americans, like you were talking about, fans, they don't care that the quality of life for the Patriots coaches and players and staff is low because 
all they care about is the winning. And I totally get that. Dope. Now that I'm a fan, <laughs> I'm like, screw those players. I hope they're miserable. But if they're winning, I'm going to be really happy because it's my team. Just like when you go to the the uh, Apple store and you pay $6.99 for an iPhone versus $12.99, you're going to be really happy because you're paying less for a really, really good product. And you're going to just gloss over the fact that people are jumping off the top of the building all the time because they're so miserable working in that factory-like environment, which is what is happening in New England with the Patriots. Yes, and I was one of the guys you who were, proverbially— You were the guy that proverb- jumped off the building but got caught in that <laughs> net, so you didn't actually yeah. die, but you definitely knew you wanted to go do something else. I knew it was time to get out of there. I was, like, jumping down to, like, a different company. Like, hey, are you guys hiring? <laughs> um, all right, so, who, so who, who do you give the percentage of the credit yeah. to? Between Tom Brady yeah. and Bill Belichick. So I'm going to go 60% Belichick, 40% Brady. And here's mm. why. Because Brady would have been an unknown journeyman, free agent, probably a few years in the league and gone, had he not been drafted into New England, had they, he not had that great defense that Bill uh, Parcells put together, had he not had Bill Belichick to mold him and to – nurture him into the great quarterback that he is today however these last 10 years let's say Belichick would not have become the greatest coach of all time had he had a quarterback that was more dedicated to his sport than anybody we can ever remember in history Tom Brady has given up so much of his time with his family he's given up his social life with his friends He's given up almost everything else in his life to be the greatest quarterback of all time. We as fans, we love that. That's great. Uh, His coach, he loves it. He's going to cheer it all the way. But I think a lot of other NFL players don't like that because as an NFL player, a former player myself, I love spending time with my family. I love having friends. I love being able to go out and have a beer with the Tomahawk guys in the offseason. Now when it's time to come to work during the season – I can put all that stuff aside, but Tom is so committed to his craft that even in the off season, he's not going to eat a tomato because it's going to be bad for what happens in the fall. He's not going to drink a beer with a buddy. He's not going to go stay out late. He's going to get his proper sleep, his proper hydration, his proper workout, his proper massage, his proper training every single day, 365. And he's never going to lose focus on trying to be the greatest quarterback of all time, which has made him the greatest quarterback of all time. And Belichick, had he not had somebody who was wired mentally like that, would not have had the success down the line these last 10 years or so without Tom Brady. And so that's why I say 60% Bill, because without Bill, the whole ship wouldn't have started. But then 40% Brady, because once it was going, now Brady was the one that's kind of carried him. I'm going with uh, 65 Brady. 35 oh, Bill. Wow. Oh, My, we've seen Bill as a coach prior to him being the page, prior to Tom Brady, and it wasn't the product that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady came in and changed that franchise completely, mm-hmm. and it hasn't stopped since he started. We've never seen a bad Tom. We've mm-hmm. seen a bad game, maybe, mm-hmm. which the fact that we can remember the bad Tom games tells you how great he is after 17 years, but he's been great. He's He's adapted. There's been times where he's had to be a different player. He's done that. He's battled back from injury. It doesn't matter who he's played with. You can name, much like Michael Jordan, much like LeBron James. Think about it. Think about all the teammates LeBron James had. Whether you are a big basketball fan or not, you can name all the teammates LeBron has ever had. You can name all of Michael Jordan's supporting cast. 
The same goes with Tom Brady. You can name every receiver he's played with because he's made them great. Like, he's turned run-of-the-mill guys into Hall of Famers. Bill didn't do that. Tom did that. So when you think about, like, who gets the credit for me, I just feel like just look at Tom's body of work. There's never been a time he hasn't been great. There's been a time where Bill hasn't had the success he's had now, and I get everyone gets better over time, but I feel like the catalyst of that was a, the little guy out of Michigan, late-round pick, mm. who just wanted it more than everybody else. He backed up a quarterback who was a damn good quarterback mm. in Drew Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Drew Bledsoe was not a slouch. Drew Bledsoe is probably better than 80% of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and they weren't able to get this kind of stuff done. Tom Brady is different, man, and I just think – he should get more respect when history goes down for what he's done for that organization because he's just wired completely different and he had all the makings of a quarterback. Like he, he's just a guy that, you're right, he's a terrible athlete. He has everything good about him is good for being a pocket quarterback and nothing else. There is nothing else he'd be good at. That's a great and point. Hap- Except for that's maybe why a he went late in the draft. Well, that's why he went late in the draft is because yeah. – they look at the collective body of athleticism. Like, is he fast? Is he quick? Is he is he is he chiseled? What does he work out? And none of that stuff matters if you are the best at everything that Tom is good at, which is pocket presence, which is anticipation, which is understanding defenses, which is accuracy, yeah. which is uh, willpower. Like all those things, he is at a hundred at everything else. He's just <laughs> terrible, which is why he didn't play prop <laughs> Well, speaking of Hall of Famers, one of the big discussions this week was Julian Edelman wins the Super Bowl MVP and all these talking heads all of a sudden are saying, hey, Julian Edelman, one of the greatest playoff careers of any receiver, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Hawk, what's your take? Right now, no. And I love Jules. He's my guy. I love what he's done. Uh, but there's 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 no way if his career ended today, like Isaac Bruce is not in the Hall of Fame. Isaac Bruce has fourteen thousand yards receiving in his career. Julian has like fifty three hundred. For context, Nate Burleson, who is known as a commentator, and people will say he's a much better person on TV than he was on the field. He's great on TV. He, that's why he's incredible on TV. <laughs> he finished his career with fifty six hundred yards. Hmm. Um, for some more context. Brian Hartline, one of our former teammates, colleagues, he finished his career with about 5,000 yards. So I I say that to say I get that Julian is incredible in the postseason, and he is. But I just feel like it's it's one of those things where emotions get the best of people, and they just start making determinate. You have to consider the entire body of work. Is he one of the best postseason receivers? Obviously. That goes without question. But it's because of the things we talked about. He's on a team that has been in the postseason for 17 consecutive years. (laughs) There's a guy by the name of Cliff Branch Mm. who had 9,000 career yards. And in the postseason, I think Julian just passed him in postseason. He's another guy that has three Super Bowl rings. He has, like, almost identical stats to Julian Edelman in the postseason. He is also not in the Hall of Fame. So, again, I understand Jules is an incredible player. I think – if he, if he gets to play for the next four to five years, which and his style of play is a possibility, and he racks up upwards mm-hmm. of eight $9,000, then I think his case comes a, becomes a little, more, a little bit more realistic. But as it stands now, if I was a voter, it just wouldn't make sense based on some of the other guys that have not gotten in yet. <clears throat> Here's a few names for you. Al Toon, Lee Evans, 
TJ Hushmanzada, Percy Harvin. Those are players in the NFL that have similar statistics to Julian Edelman. None of those guys were really pro bowlers. None of them certainly were Hall of Famers. But right. we get carried away a little bit with the performance that somebody has when it's on the biggest stage, which unless you're a quarterback, Hall of Fame voters have traditionally not rewarded outstanding Super Bowl performances. As a quarterback, they always say, well, how, how do you get to the Hall of Fame, right? You got to have a, a great career with the stats, the passing yards, the touchdowns, and you also have to have a Super Bowl, right? That's what's holding Phillip Rivers back right now. But outside of that, that is the only position that really uh, significantly weights Super Bowls and Super Bowl performance. And just because Julian had a few really good Super Bowls, I don't think that's going to get the voters to overlook the fact that he doesn't have a lot of stats. I don't think he's ever made a Pro Bowl. I'm not sure he's ever been all pro. I mean, how many guys make it to the Hall of Fame that have zero Pro Bowls, zero uh Right. All pros. It just doesn't happen. And you mentioned there's a lot of really good receivers that are still waiting to get in the Hall of Fame that have two, three times the stats as far as career goes than Julian Edelman. So um, unless he plays another seven or eight years and all of a sudden starts making Pro Bowls and starts getting huge stats, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And especially when you start thinking that Brady's probably within a couple of years of being uh, his career being over. And once right. that happens, who's going to be throwing Edelman the ball? And if it's a new uh, system, I think right now Julian is a, a a great player who works really hard. He's like the Tom Brady version of slot receiver. But when he's not playing in that system, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to be as productive. I mean, the Patriots had Wes Welker, who probably had a better career than Julian Edelman West, has had. Wes had almost 10,000 yards. Right, as far as like stats goes, and he he was pretty good in the playoffs as well. So uh, for my money, Julian will not get in. Not that I'm going to try to keep him out, but Hall of Fame voters, I don't think, are going to overlook everything and just say, "Well, he had a great couple Super Bowls." Yeah, I mean, and I, we're biased. So obviously, we're players. And again, I, I hate to make it seem like we're campaigning against Julian Edelman because not we're not. We're just giving our objective opinions. Joe is a future Hall of Famer, surefire. He's a guy that has not had postseason success obviously mm. so people could say you're a little biased i'm a receiver people could say i'm biased so let's bring in our producer zerm here let's get his unbiased from a player perspective take is julian edelman a hall of famer um as a former wide receiver oh. myself at the <laughs> nfl level um no julian edelman is not a hall of famer i I tweeted this at the time, but you know how you know the Super Bowl was the most boring Super Bowl of all time because nobody could figure out what to talk about after the game because it was so mm. boring that they were just like, do you guys think that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer? <laughs> and, all the, and all of a sudden it became a talk point. No, I mean, I think you guys hit on a lot of really great points. Like Julian Edelman is great um, and is a great sort of possession guy that Brady has um, turned into a sort of a household name but to like go to the hall of fame level is kind of crazy to me so i'm very much with you guys. i mean he's like to me julian hell wes like it's it's like not even wes julian is probably more like a robert ori slash Derek fisher hmm. like you remember him because they have really big moments in the postseason hmm. and they are very very good players and they have rings and they have attributed to championships like across the board but you can't say like robert ori should be in before a Clyde Drexler. Like, that doesn't make sense. Ooh, Clyde the Clyde. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, Isaac Bruce is a guy that, again, he, this is – I can't believe Isaac Bruce isn't in the, the Hall of Fame. T.O. had to wait three years. This is mm. the, the yeah. second best receiver in the history of the NFL. 
it's it again. I think it's just people's emotions getting the best of them. Um, but not to say that Julian won't get there, because Julian, I know Julian. I've trained with Julian in the off season. I obviously was in the locker room with Julian. He's going to play for as long as possible. He tore his ACL. I sent him a text, and I'm like, "Hey man, keep your head up. You know, good thing you signed that contract." He texts me back immediately. This is like the day he tore his ACL. Tough times don't last. People do. I have so much more out there. Don't worry, I'll be back. Like that was this is hours after he tore his ACL. But that's the kind of guy he is. So he's a guy that could play the next five years and, and honestly make it a way easier case for himself. Well, hey, let's let's transition. Um I think that that was your first time being at the Super Bowl. What was the most yeah. memorable moment? What was there any celebrities that you bumped into that you thought was really cool? Was there any parties that you went to that you really enjoyed? Um, honestly, the, probably the highlight was definitely just being on radio row while you guys were doing the interviews and that was Nat's on screen debut. Mm. Yeah, it was. That was all Hawk. She killed it. Like out of nowhere, invited me to come and sit in on the interviews (laughs) and I was nervous, but it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I was also just super busy behind the scenes doing like social media stuff and taking photos, which was really fun because that's not my normal job. So I was very busy, but it was really fun. Influencing that, man. (laughs) And um, I did actually go to some parties, which was fun. Mm. Hawk uh, brought me along. I I made sure. I I always had a plus one, and Joe would always stand us up every night. (laughs) Joe gets the red carpet. He doesn't Mm. have to sneak into Super Bowl parties anymore. (laughs) He gets the red carpet laid out. So I I had a plus one for a couple of them, so I made sure Nat was, was with us. Yeah, it was awesome. It was actually really funny because... I just know Hawk like on a personal level. And so as we're walking into these parties, like on the street, there's fans that are outside of the parties trying to get in or whatever they're doing out there. Mm. And (laughs) Hawk got stopped like five times within like, 50 feet mm. of people <laughs> wanting to take photos with him and i'm just like oh my god this is the funniest thing ever so i'm like <laughs> standing there having to take photos of hawk with like groups of fans that oh. want to take photos of him and that that still or nat thinks to this day that i paid those people to, to be standing there <laughs> she was looking at me like why the hell are you people trying to take pictures with this dude i don't understand but whatever let's just continue on yeah what was your favorite was really party now um well, <laughs> first, first we went to the Barstool party, which we saw Joe there. That was fun. But that was just Annie was in the in- building. Annie yes, was there and I met Annie, and she's amazing, and I love her. <laughs> and um, so that party was interesting because <laughs> I didn't know what to expect going in there, and it was a rough and rowdy party, which I. It's it, which is the official party of uh, male. Uh, <laughs> toxicness, what, yes, white exactly. male toxic masculinity for sure. Yes. Exactly, there's a bunch toxic of drugs. Official party of toxic masculinity. So I was just kind of standing there, like, "What am I watching right now? And what is going on?" So that was interesting. Um, but we weren't there for too long, and then after that, we went to a different party. Vayner, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes, that one. Joe I had know no who Gary idea. Vaynerchuk is I didn't. I have to look him up, and Do apparently you know he's a social is? media celebrity. Yeah, he I didn't know let me who in he was. Either, so. <laughs> you didn't get in? No, actually, the, so the funny story is we went to Barstool, and that was my favorite party of the weekend, and I'll tell you why. It's because I feel so old, but I need a place now at, at a party that I can move around a little bit, that I can get to the bar easily, and that has free and food, and, <laughs> and a place to sit down, <laughs> because my knee's kind of jacked up. 
And so this, <laughs> the uh, Barstool Sports Party had all three of those things. Plus, it was unique. I'd never gone to a boxing match uh, at all, much less an amateur boxing match, which was hilarious because these guys clearly That's didn't train question. at all. Who are they? And there <laughs> was some training. amazing like, they, bodies there. There was guys that were fighting with their shirts on. Let's put it that way. So uh, there were some really fun moments from the amateur boxing match. There was this one where there was this um, real like ripped up, cut up white dude. And he was fighting this real chubby Mexican guy. And me and my buddy that were sitting I'm next to each other. I'm glad you made those distinctions because they were very, very important in this. <laughs> they are. I'm sure. The, I felt kind of bad for him because the barstool guys who were announcing, like the announcer, was really uh, racistly stereotyping this poor Mexican guy oh because uh, they were talking about like tacos and burritos. I mean, I was like, well, yeah. this, oh, is, un- this is ridiculous. Continue with this story. We're probably definitely going to cut this out of the episode. Yeah. Just so anyways, so, <laughs> as uh, me and Joe are in negotiations for broadcasting. The, the, the chubby guy. Comes out and all of a sudden he starts throwing out some like real boxing moves like the head bobs. And and uh, of course, everybody that was betting on the match took like the ripped up guy. And all of a sudden we were like, whoa, this guy knows how to fight. He's the first guy <laughs> the whole night that knows how to fight. And uh, the chubby guy beat the piss out of the other guy. I mean, it wasn't even fair at one point. It was like he, quick too. It was quick. He like wiped them out real fast. I think it was a standing knockout. But uh, it was it was some funny moments like that, and uh, the food was good, unlimited drinks, and it was the uniqueness was great. So from there, I tried to go to the shack party, which I actually had tickets to. But yeah, it you was, were, Joe was big time in me and that stuff. So, so at yeah. the end of the, the night, we're like, hey, where are we going next? You're like Joe. I'm Joe. Shack party is the place to be, right? <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. it's like the place to be. Now I've been through this rodeo multiple times. I know when I'm going to get uh, mushed in the face trying to get into a place. I'm not on the <laughs> list for this place. I text my reps. They're like, they listen. They said they're at capacity. There's nothing they could do. So I'm like, all right, put us on the list for the Gary V party. I'll go there. Joe, where are you going? He's like, I don't know where the hell you're going. I'm going to Shaq's party. <laughs> I'm on the list, baby. I'm like, so all right. We had we had invited like eight friends going way 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 back. Uh, Tomahawk doesn't plan anything, so it was so last minute. I had already had plans to like take my buddies to this party. Um, so we got tickets to the Shack Party. We went there, but it turns out the Shack Party was another Firefest 2.0 because oh they sold way more tickets than they should have. And even though we had VIP oh, no. tickets, we went to the VIP door. They were not letting anybody in the party at 11 o'clock. The fire marshal had shut it down. Because oh they oversold and they had too many people in there already. And so at that point, I was already tired. And I'm like, screw this. I'm going home. <laughs> so I went to oh, bed wow. at like 1130 and it was glorious. It was glorious. <laughs> Nat, you've seen Pat Mahomes down there. Did you, did you shoot your shot? Oh, no. Oh. I'm sad because he. I, w- I wish we could have interviewed him because then I would have just made you mm. let me sit in on that interview. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just sat down without an invite. <laughs> to see you shoot your shot live on the Tomahawk Show at Pat Mahomes. Nat, Nat would have rolled up with two bottles of ketchup. It's <laughs> like, what's up? Let's make this a party. Exactly. But no, I didn't get to talk to him. I didn't even. I just saw him walking with his like massive security. He had blanket, like, like he had a security detail, like he was the president. Was, of no, the it was States. crazy. I wasn't expecting him to have that much security. There was like literally five security guards like in the front, guards. and five security guards in the back of him yeah. as he walked down Radio Row. It was a crazy. place that's already that's crazy. secure, that crazy. right? Like, <laughs> so who was your favorite guest, Joe and Nat, the entire Super Bowl experience that we had there? So my we loved fa- all. We loved. We loved yeah, all. They were our all guests. great. Let me. 
let me preface it by saying that. Yeah, I will say Hawk is a genius for coming up with the fake tweets segment. Oh my god, and that was so good. It was so. And he literally fun. he came up with that the night before. By the way, <laughs> that like was really that was smart. such a last minute idea. Yeah. At our, our production meeting, it was yes. very very productive. It was it was pretty amazing, and my favorite moment was Travis Kelsey because <laughs> he clearly believed the fake tweet. And then when we asked him the Firefest question about which one of his teammates would have been duped into Firefest, he said himself. All right, our second question. Have you seen the Firefest docs? Yes. Okay. Parts, bits, and pieces, parts. You know what it is. You get it. Yeah, yeah I get it. I get okay, it. so which one of your teammates would have purchased tickets to the Firefest? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no doubt. I would have no, no hesitation doubt. Been at all. I've been on that island. Trying to get my bag oh, off of a semi. Yeah. I would have been I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Oh, yeah. And I totally can see Travis because he loves to have a good time. He's a fun guy. He loves the Tomahawk show. I could totally see him like renting a private jet, flying down to the Bahamas for the Firefest. <laughs> he couldn't wait. And as soon as he landed, he saw the shit show it was going to be and probably left. But um, he was he was my favorite guest. He's a lot of fun. He's easy to be with, and um, he loves the Tomahawk show and fake tweets that he believes he actually did. Yeah, he's a Northwest Ohio guy. I think that's or is it Northeast Ohio? Northeast. He's from Cleveland. He's, he's a Northeast Cleveland guy. Heights guy. Northeast. Uh, yeah. North Northeast Ohio guy. I think that's a big reason. What about you, Nat? Who's your favorite guest? I mean, I was gonna say the same thing, Travis Kelsey, and your tweet for him was so good. The <laughs> his porn star name was Tropic Thunder, and he <laughs> was like, "Yeah, that sounds like it was probably a recent tweet." Yes, yeah, that's last a good week. One. It says, if I was a porn star, my name would be Tropical Thunder. <laughs> that was just a career what that was I was your, ready to get into. <laughs> that what I was your saw when you formed that tweet. Um, I feel like it's a good variety. Okay. Um, you could be anywhere that you yeah. wanted to be and fantasize in that aspect. So okay. I mean, from that point on, yeah. I'm still. I stand behind that. I think that you was. Still the, stand by. Yeah, I like, think that was like a, two years ago. Really. It wasn't that long. It wasn't ago. that long ago. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was before Tuesday, the Patriots actually, game. Now that I look at the date, it was right, Tuesday, right after the AFC Championship. No, that was a fake tweet. Made that up completely. <laughs> Not something you tweeted at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got the trifecta there. We're all in consensus. Travis Kelsey is our favorite <laughs> guest from Tomahawk. He is a funny dude, man. He's another. He's again one of our only repeat guests. We don't have very many of them, but he's one of them. Loves the show. We love Travis. So, Trav, uh, we got to think of a, a, a whole episode to do with him. We got to make him one of the, the guests. The I guest mean, he hosts. loves the show, so he he'll does, probably man. come yeah. on multiple times. Zerm, as you were sitting back in Cleveland, mm, uh, sorry. jealous that the Tomahawk <laughs> show was no. on the road and you weren't anywhere to be found, what, was the, <laughs> what, what part were you like, you laughed the most at, or what was your favorite part of things we were pumping out as you were our analytics on the ground? Yeah, first of all, you got I just like as somebody just like on like scrolling through Twitter and being on the internet that weekend like n not even because just cuz I'm a part of the show, like you guys were everywhere. <laughs> like you guys were killing it. Like your stuff was all over my timeline, people interacting with it. I actually thought that um I thought Terrell Pryor's interview was great because he just decided that he uh, admitted that it was a mistake yeah. and he got bad advice for not resigning with the Browns, which like 
I think a lot of people maybe thought was the case, but to hear him just kind of casually admit it is uh, was, uh, I think, a really big get for you guys. I, his fake tweet also made me laugh a lot because yeah, he also believed <laughs> that he tweeted. And he was like, oh, man, I said that? Wow, yeah, mm. I probably did. So I thought that was really good. <laughs> and explained and himself also, like, my uh, bad on that, y'all. Yeah, I also laughed really hard when Heinz Ward, without even taking more than a second to think about the Firefest question, was just like, Joey Porter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, immediately. So that one was really good. Yeah, you guys, um, you guys were everywhere. You guys were all over the place. The, as you said, the whole team, social media wise, especially with the clips, like getting them up really quickly. Like you guys, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sound too biased, but you guys were the talk of Radio mm-hmm. Row. I think mm-hmm. that's all we keep hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I think we we've covered enough. Listen, for everybody listening, the Tomahawk is taking a short hiatus. It's the end of the season. We've given you two episodes a week. We've shown up on time for work. We've given you all the content we can. There's no football. We need a break. I need to start sleeping a little bit more. My health is getting in the way. Joe, he's too rich to be mm. talking to me every Can't week. Can't be bothered with Andrew does. Hawkins every week. Exactly. So we're going to take a little break. So I, it's important that you subscribe and that you rate us five stars so that we can notify you when the Tomahawk is back. And if something cool happens, don't worry. We're going to turn the mics on. We're going to jump right back in and give you the, the podcast you're looking for. Um, yeah, so. Be on the lookout. We'll be keep you updated. Really, really big things coming for the Tomahawk that we can't wait to share with you. We are moving up Tomahawk, and you are coming with us. Before we go, is there anything we need to cover? Yeah, yes. I want to hear. Is- yeah, oh, yeah, everyone's <laughs> jumping in. We're very excited. <laughs> okay, um, we're not. This is not the end of the show. Okay, uh, got it. Nat, why don't you go first? Okay, so someone on the Tomahawk show has a lot of stuff going on during our hiatus. Yes, because yeah. apparently. We have a movie star amongst us. <laughs> well, oh, more than one. Yes. Yeah, not technically a movie star, but <laughs> somebody will be a movie star because of, I guess, me? I don't I know. I think so, it is you. So, so how about you tell right, us so a little bit about what that here's is? Here's what happened. For those of you that don't follow us on social, they announced yesterday they attached a director to a movie about my life. Now, it's weird that they call it like a life story because, you know, you think of like Muhammad Ali has like a life story, a movie because his life is so great or like... LeBron will get a life story one day. That is not why they're telling my life story. It's not because I was so great. What's great about it is the very middle part of the story of how I got to the NFL, which was really crazy, and I had to basically fire fest my way there. Um, but it's not a fire fest if you actually deliver. So I sold tickets, but then I over. So it's like if you, it's like having on the outside of a package that you have a really nice watch. Let's say it's a a Movado watch. Is a Movado a watch? Yes. Yes, yeah. a Movado watch packaging. Firefest would be when you open the box, there was nothing in it. For me, <laughs> I sold a Movado watch because it didn't look like it, but when you looked inside, it was actually a Rolex. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's my very bad analogy for why I'm not Firefest. But long story short, I had to basically trick my way into the NFL, use uh, fake agents, uh, put clay on the bottom of my heels so that I would be taller. Um, email people, act like this, break in places I wasn't supposed to be. And people thought it was cool enough to option those rights for the movie. I turned down the first two people, and then the third group that came made a lot of sense to do, and here we are. They're making a movie about it. So That's cool. Have they said who is going to play me and who's going to play you? That's why I'm doing the cast. <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, that's I, I pushed for you to play a young me. They didn't see it uh, coming across the screen the way that I thought it could come across. I'm like, 
like imagine it's Joe, but no. <laughs> so we'll, I have no idea who they're casting. I guess we'll have more information on that later on. Um, so yeah, that's that's movie time with Hawk. Now, I'm not doing anything in the off season, really. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do any of this. Stuff. I'm going to be hanging out with the the wife and kids, and actually, I am going to do some NFL Network stuff. I'm working their total access shows. I'm working the combine. I, I love working with those guys. They're a lot of fun. It's cool being around the game. But other than that, I'm not doing much. So, Hawk, you got a ten thousand and one things. You're actually coming out with another competing podcast that's going to compete yes. with the rebuild and the Tomahawks. So <laughs> I was motivated by the spinoff. Oh, it all comes back around. I see. <laughs> I was motivated by Zerm's spinoff that he introduced a week after being on the Tomahawk show and pubbed like he snuck in a an ad in our show for the rebuild. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's how we're doing it. We're getting we're getting backdoor money. No, but seriously, so I'll be hosting a podcast in partnership with Chase. That is me sitting down with athletes who have also scored big beyond the playing field. It's not like the Tomahawk Show. It's not a weekly thing. It's a it's a uh, podcast. I'm going to be five different cities across the country sitting down at Chase Branches, talking to athletes like Karan Butler, um, hoping for uh, athletes like Junior Bridgman. The Rock, I called yesterday. Um, he directly reported me to the police. So we're <laughs> still trying to work through those things. But, yeah, it'll be really cool. Um, the whole podcast series is called Needing Dill the Podcast. And, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really awesome. So look out for that if you if you care about it. You should. Um, but no pressure. One thing we haven't really talked a whole lot about, but I'm excited. I do have to go out to L.A. a little bit this year. Like Yay. I mentioned, I'm recording Total Access with NFL Network. And mm-hmm. there's a rumor that the Tomahawk Grand Central Station offices are in L.A. So yes. we'll have to get together and record a couple podcasts at that time, no matter what's oh, going yeah. on in the NFL world. And uh, yes. maybe we can actually go out to a proper dinner for once that we missed yes. at the Super Bowl. We might live stream a Tomahawk dinner. Oh my God, Zerm, we should do that. When Joe, when Joe comes out here, Zerm, we're flying you out here to mm. join the festivities. So you don't yeah, have to wait I'll tell you Hawks what, I'll, 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 I'll fly multiple Spirit Airlines flights <laughs> out there. Like I'll, I'll, I'll jump from JetBlue to Frontier to Spirit. Like I'll, I'll be out there, so don't you worry about it. Beautiful. Eight stops from Cleveland to L.A. <laughs> Joe, when is the date you're coming to, to L.A.? So we can give the fans Yeah, a I'm going to be out when. there in March, uh, the beginning of March. It's not hard and fast yet, and then I'm looking to do it again maybe in April or May. So, um, okay, so at least a couple shots. Worst, worst case scenario you will get another Tomahawk show early March. That's less than a month. Don't worry. We're not leaving for that long. Early March, worst case, you are getting a new Tomahawk episode, maybe even sooner than that, depending on the news cycle, depending on what happens at the Combine. Me and Joe will obviously still be knee-deep in football news, so we'll need some kind of outlet to give our real, true opinions, and this is the Tomahawk Show. And just make sure to follow us on social media, at Tomahawk Show. That's where you're going to get all your updates. That's where we're going to throw the hot ass memes out there. And if we have any updates on when the show's coming and then when the show finally drops. So make sure you're following at Tomahawk show. And it's, it's verified now. So you don't have to worry about it. If we're a fake account, we're no longer Firefest. We are verified. And me and Nat met the head of Twitter sports down to the Super Bowl. So, or Instagram sports. I mean, we met the head of Instagram sports. We'll get that page verified too. Cause you know, we're deal makers and that's what we do. All right. I got nothing else. Yeah. Well, Tom hey O'Clock, we Tom love you. Flock. We love you. It's been an incredible season. <laughs> incredible. We've accomplished so much. so much. 
We're the number one listen to podcast in Ohio. That is real. Yes. Serious. We've grown our social pages to to close to 30,000 people, which is amazing. Serious. We're You've tuned in every single week. You've interacted with us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you mm. giving a damn about only our opinions, but our lives. And we love to share this entire experience with you. To the people behind the season Tomahawk, again, this is not a goodbye. Don't worry. This is just a so long for now. But more than anything, we want to say thank you from me and Joe. We're so grateful to Nat, to Zerm, to TD, to Matt, to Taylor, to Pegs, to Chuck, to Eric, to Naya. Oh, and we can't forget, obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our dear friend, NFD. Um, everybody a part of this show, man, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. This is the funnest time me and Joe have ever had in our lives, and it's due to all you guys behind the scenes. Um, the Cleveland fan base, everybody beyond Cleveland, we love you, we appreciate you, and so long for now. Joe, hawk yourself. At the weekend, you see forever. But forever goes away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday.